0: Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAP Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins and Asai Calderon-Muñiz.
1: All right, you guys, so welcome back to another episode. It's really exciting today. Um, So today we actually get to know Phil a little better. um, And I'm really excited to to hear your story. I've heard bits and pieces over the last couple of years, but I think we're all kind of wanting to know how'd you end up doing MCAT teaching and instruction full time, right? Like we know you were in med school. Um, We know that you've had a lot of experiences um, in medicine and just really excited to hear you share how you landed here and your journey.
0: Yeah, it is going to be a bit of a strange. I got to be honest, like you, like, like the episode we did, uh, like, was it last week or a couple weeks ago? Time is a blur for me right now. Um, On kind of like the stuff you're kind of going through in medical school. Like, I feel like it. Like as we do the podcast more, students kind of want to know more about us. And so I feel like it's, this is a question I get all the time. is like, why did I leave medical school? Um, because that was a very big decision. And that's obviously people who are going into med school want to be thinking and understanding like, why might I leave, right? Like, why would I'm trying so hard to get in? Why would somebody not do that? Um, so I'm excited to kind of talk about that to like give students a little bit of context, um, some of the bigger picture stuff overall i also want to couch and just like throw out to the to the the students listening i have like a head cold and so if i like am a little bit like gross and like gravelly with my throat and stuff um please forgive me but uh i'm like this is the one episode where i'm going to be talking the most and i'm like oh this is this is going to be this is bad timing um I, i was thinking about like how to explain all of this and it's a little bit tricky because like, it makes sense just kind of jump into what's going on in med school, but I feel like you kind of need to know some context and need to know a little bit about me, like as I grew up and kind of like what was important to me and like those sorts of things. Um, so I'm going to turn the hands of time way back um, to me as just kind of like growing up. Um, so I, most of you guys know because I think I talk about it a lot. Um, I grew up in a very rural community and, um, where like I lived on a farm with like cows and chickens and horses and my nearest neighbor was like a mile away. Um, And so there's some really great things like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's a bad place to live, but there's definitely some missing some resources there. Um, Like there wasn't a library within an hour of me that I knew of growing up. Um, And so it was also, I'm also the oldest of four kids um, and my mom was a single mom. And so there's definitely some like challenges there. And, um, I remember seeing my mom become a nurse. Uh, she, like my mom was in nursing school or like started nursing school after, um, my parents split up when my, my sister was just born, who is nine years younger than me. So I was like nine years old. And I like saw my mom going through this struggle and like a, you know, a single mom with four kids kind of like dealing with this, it was it was a very hard time for her. And I remember seeing her put in so much work and so much effort to learn. And I think that this instilled in me, like education is important because that's how you improve your life. And our life was a little bit, was very difficult there for a while. My mom eventually got her RN, but like most nurses work like 12 hour shifts and like as a single mom, like you can't, like she needed to work during school and be home when not in school.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, um, especially, you know, for the first like six or seven years when my mom was, or when my like sister was, was, you know, like around and very young, um, my mom worked in a nursing home and she worked, <clears throat> she worked there. But she was making like, like $15 an hour. And like, that's really hard to raise a family of five on $15 an hour. And so this is, this is, this actually is like lays the seeds of like, why I'm so passionate about trying to lower the barriers to students getting into medical school is because I have seen, like, I've seen barriers. Um, and like, I'm not saying like, I had it the worst or of anybody out there, but like, there there are th- times that people struggle and like my family definitely could not have afforded a $10,000 tutor, right? Like to put 10 grand down on that. And so that's why I think it's really important to kind of lower those barriers. But Going through this, obviously we all got a little bit older, all the kids, and all of a sudden my mom could kind of like trust me to kind of like help take care of the kids. And so she could work like regular hospital hours where she was working 12-hour shifts and make way more money. Um, So we could could eat and do stuff, which is good because we were teenagers and we were eating a lot. (laughs) Um, But I think all of this just kind of like laid the ground there for this. Also, like I should share like my... Under, like, my high school, like, in this very rural community, not very science focused. There's also like some missing resources there as well. My school actually had more welding classes than all the science classes combined. There was like one biology, one chemistry, one physics in high school. And there was like four welding classes. (laughs) And so, so, like, I remember going to college and my mind exploded because there's so much stuff. And I ended up, like i fell in love with learning and i like still love learning to this day i took 5 years in undergrad because i kept adding stuff <laughs> because like i don't need this class to graduate but i really want to learn about it and so i was doing things where i was in like i was a biology and a chemistry and a physics major all at the same time um and every semester i would talk to my advisor and my advisor would be i'd be like i want to take like a little bit more classes than i did last week and she's like all right, like normally we don't let students take that many classes. I'm like, well, I just took 20 hours last week or last year and I did fine her last semester. So can I do like 22 this semester? And she's like, yeah, sure. And this like kept going until all of a sudden I was taking like 28 hours um, per semester. And I like I just took like philosophy classes and physics classes and like tons of different things. Like I had enough stuff for a philosophy minor at the end, which is totally unrelated to everything, but I just really liked learning about it. And so I have this really big, like, my driving force as a person is I want to learn as much as I can and I want to teach. I want to, like, acquire knowledge and spread knowledge. And I just love that so much. Like, that is, like, the most important part of me. And that, that really bloomed a lot in college. <clears throat> in college, I also worked. Um, And so I, especially for like the first two years, I spent a lot of time in hospitals because my mom did a lot of medical stuff with like nursing. And so like I had seen someone use healthcare and education, taking that farther, make their life better and make others lives better. Like all of my, my siblings. And so it just made sense to do that. And so I worked in radiology as a transporter and, I really loved it, but I love the patient interaction. Like as a transporter, I was just like pushing, basically just like I was a taxi service. I was Uber in the hospital. Like I would just like <laughs> take people from their room to an MRI and or from their room to an X-ray or a CT scan or a nuclear medicine thing. And so I got to actually like talk to some of the techs who were doing those things. And it was really interesting trying to like watch, a, like watching a lumbar puncture, like because- they're like, oh, we need you to like take this patient back here. And like, Why don't you just like hang out here and watch the lumbar puncture? I'm like, yeah, that sounds <laughs> awesome. Um, and so I learned a lot about like the actual like ins and outs of medicine there, but I also got to talk to patients a lot and there wasn't a lot of time pressure. Like definitely I need to get patients to and from, but during the time that I'm pushing patients, we can just talk about whatever. And so a lot of times I would just like see as part of my job was brightening a patient's day, right? Like that's one of the powerful things about medicine is that you get to talk to people when they're having their worst day. Um, A lot of times when people are in the hospital, like that is not, they're not, this is not the best days of their life. Right. And I think there are times when you can like help out on those days. And I really love that. And to be honest, I really miss that part of the hospital stuff of like being there and trying to help people. Um, when they most need it, but I also, uh, worked, there was a program at my school called supplemental instruction, um, which is like this weird thing where like, if I took a class in organic chemistry, the next year I could be like a supplemental instructor for that class. And so I would be like holding my own classes outside of that and doing extra instruction. And I did this and this is actually where a lot of the teaching stuff started, Um, And I got really into that supplemental instruction program. And it was weird because the school I went to was actually the headquarters for it internationally. Wow! And so I actually ended up working with that program a lot and eventually like doing some traveling and like helping other schools around the world, like create those programs at their schools. And so um, I didn't travel internationally, but I would like go to conferences and we'd invite people and we would like I would like do presentations on like how to make learning fun because learning should be fun and how to like have games and like have students remember stuff better in the long term. And so I helped um, some schools institute this in like Australia and Sweden. And like I think there was like 58 different countries that we kind of like did this end. And so I really fell in love with education and teaching. And I was a supplemental instructor throughout that. And so I was like teaching like the orgo, like an orgo class that I created the curriculum for. I did everything for, and it was like, there's 300 students in the classroom and like doing lecturing and stuff like that. And that's, that's something that like really kind of shaped me because that energized me. Um, and to this day, like talking to students, like there are times like I'm having like a long day and then we have a class at night Mm -hmm. and it's like eight o'clock and I'm like tired before the class starts. Like, I don't, I don't want to say that, like, I don't like teaching, but like, it's been a long day. A part of me just wants to go to bed. And then I like, we have a class and I like start teaching the class. And then at the end of the class, I'm so (laughs) amped and so excited. And I'm like, that like made my day so much better. (laughs) Um, And that's something that happens like still to this day, like whenever I do classes and kind of talk to stuff, I was just talking to um, a classroom of students in Idaho um two nights ago and like like the the session because the time zones are a little bit different the session ended at like 10 o'clock for me and i'm like that was so much fun i want to keep doing more of that um and that that kind of happened in undergrad and so after this right obviously there's a lot of kind of like pushing and learning and falling in love with the process um i was like trying to figure out what to do next like the idea for me was always medicine, was become a physician because my mom was a nurse and like that just made sense. It just kind of flowed. Um, but the more I learned, the more I like, I I just like learning and I like sharing. And so I got this idea that I want to keep teaching like what I was doing in in college. I want to keep doing that, but I want to kind of like accelerate that. And so if I can take that and the physician and combine it and do both, like then I, that's a fulfilling all of my dreams. <laughs> and so that's why I went MD, PhD. And so for my application, I was, um, I was working on like my PhD. I got into a couple of schools, but I ultimately decided to go to the University of Nebraska. Um, and when I was there, I was doing my MD, PhD, but the idea for me was I wanted to teach at a medical school, I wanted to be a med school professor and like teach students, but also be doing the medicine side of things that I loved because both of those were things that really affected me in college, like learning, teaching, and then the hospital, like helping patients and things like that. It was a little bit of a rude awakening, uh, going, going to med school. I think you can, you can understand this as well as I, um, like my favorite stuff in undergrad, is, was like learning a new idea and being able to apply it to all these scenarios. I feel like for a lot of times in medicine, it's about just memorize. Like you need to memorize all of this stuff. So that you have all the details. And I think that that's kind of how it's gotta be because there's just so much stuff a physician has to know. Like you can't, like a physician can't just master like five or six big ideas and then they're a great physician. Like you need to know tons of details, like drug interactions and, you know, like symptoms and like even like non-traditional symptoms. So you like diagnose things, even if they don't present normally. And um, we also did a lot of things there Um, and I think your school does something similar, but in med school, I was doing a lot of stuff where I was interacting with patients and I would like go and work with the physician and, you know, kind of like see some patients. And I got, I got kind of frustrated when I was doing this because like, like there's this very clear memory of a time when we were meeting with this patient and this patient was just getting diagnosed with diabetes and, like in the clinic, like we only had 15 minutes per patient and I wanted to sit with this patient and explain to them exactly what's going on with diabetes, like why glucose damages blood vessels, right? Like, like even the metabolism, like ins and outs of everything metabolically, but like, like why like un, like high glucose can make you go blind, Cause it like damages the the arteries in your retina. Um, well, and why, like, why you're going to, you might lose a foot if you're going through this. And like, I want to spend like two or three hours, like explaining and teaching is what I wanted to do in that case. But that's, that's not the way medicine works currently. And so like, you got 15 minutes and you're like, Hey, listen, turns out you have diabetes. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through these, these things to try to manage it. I want to meet you again in like, two weeks and we'll see kind of like how things are going. If you ever feel sick, let me know. And like kick them out the door. Um, And so that, that kind of bothered me a little bit because I so much wanted to just teach in those cases. Um, And I think that there's a lot of issues with the healthcare industry. And I think that's one, but I, it's, it's, I, I don't want to turn this into Phil's getting on his high horse and, mm-hmm. and like lecturing on all the problems of the healthcare industry, but um, it's a business like healthcare, like hospitals and clinics and stuff are businesses. So they need to work through as many patients as possible to like have the highest revenue and going through all of that. And I think there are times where that ends up kind of letting people down. Um, just like a side note, there was, um, I, I ended up work, bouncing between several physicians because that's how the hospital, like the, the med school I worked with worked. Like they would like set you up with different clinics. You'd bounce between different people. I actually did end up working with a, a concierge physician, which was basically a physician that like you pay them a, like a whole bunch of money and they are your physician. Like you want to call him, this guy in the middle of the night, he will answer you like feel sick. He'll come to your house. And like, like go through this. And this was a really interesting, like seeing another kind of medicine, um, where I had this, this physician I was working with and he would make anytime he met with a patient, it was an hour, right? Like it was an hour scheduled to go through this, he would do like routine blood works every, like every, you know, every year and kind of like going through and like doing like deep dives on these things. And, and he would talk to them, like some patient, um, got like an ancestry, like report and wanted to talk to their physician about kind of like interpreting that and going through this. And it's like, it's a really interesting thing. And like, I feel like those people got some really great healthcare, but it was also like insanely expensive um, and not something that everyone can afford. Um, And so there are things that I feel about the healthcare industry that I think could change, but I feel like I've I've gotten on a side tangent (laughs) because like really what I'm was just trying to, to talk about. The reason I brought this up is just that I started to see that being a physician wasn't going to be like what I, what I wanted it to be like the, the teaching thing, which is all I want to do. Um, I should also share that I actually was teaching in med school. Um, and so like the, when, when, I prepped for the MCAT, I used Kaplan because there was only, I'm, because I'm old and there were only two prep companies that, that existed when I was prepping for the MCAT. And so, um, I actually ended up working with Kaplan afterwards and teaching some stuff. And like to be honest, I probably shouldn't have done that while I was in med school because it was a kind of a time crunch. And I can see his eye being like, "Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm have a spotlight shown on me." But I just like I needed, like it made me feel better. Mm-hmm. It was like like something like it was a it wasn't a burden to me. It was something that enriched my life, and so. Like, even though, like, I was in med school and, like, up to my eyeballs with more work to do than time to do it, like, I'm still going to carve out time to do teaching because I love it. And, um, and I think that that helped. That helped me kind of, like, make it through kind of, like, the first, like, year of med school, um, just kind of going through that overall. But I also, like, came to find out as time went on that, like, all of my med school instructors, teaching was, like, 10% of their job right like not like none of the physicians that were teaching my classes like none of them that was their career was teaching and and so this this job that i'd imagined in my head as like a physician teacher kind of like i didn't it kind of didn't exist um at least what i was seeing now i think it might exist out there but maybe i just wasn't seeing it at that time and so i started to get a little bit frustrated feeling like like I'm going through this, I'm going to have to be a pure physician. And that pure physician stuff is not like it frustrates me um, because like, it's not like, I just want to teach patients and like, you know, go into the science of everything. And so that created a lot of like internal struggle, struggle because like medical school is difficult and like going through this and like realizing like in my mind, I'm like, I'm doing all of this to get a job that I don't really want um and like that that's hard right to kind of like go through that process and like go into all of this this is why i think it's really important for all students who are going into medical school to work in a clinic like to like do some stuff like like the shadowing and like medical experience part of your application is not there because the med schools just want you to be busy. Like I think it, it helps make sure that you understand what's going on in medicine. And I had crafted a scenario that didn't exist um, through this. And that like I had made a mistake going through this. Um, and this is the first time in my life that like more education was maybe not a good idea for me because it was starting to push me down this road that I didn't eventually want to be in. Um, <clears throat> this kind of like, I, I, I feel like I've been talking a long time. Um, I have some some other thoughts, but like, is I don't know if you have any thoughts that you want to kind of yeah. chime in on with that.
1: I mean, not to throw <clears throat> us too far back, but your mom sounds like an inspiration. Um, your mom sounds like, like Superwoman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that that those stories need to be told because yes you saw that and it you sharing your mom's story and your experience i think will help a lot of people um feel like like they can still do something um and like you've been saying with with teaching i think it's really hard to see yourself doing something and realize that it's even a possibility if you don't see if you don't see it right um and so that's something that that I think is really important in medicine, seeing what, what you hope to be, what you hope to see. Um, and something that my, my parents always say, which I hear in your story, it's that the one thing that people can, people, you might lose a lot in life, but one thing that people can't take from you is what you've learned in life. Right. And so hearing you talk about all the extra classes you took, it sounds very much like you (laughs) and like the classes that you, extra classes that you took sound very much like you. And, you know, those, those experiences, that education, that love of learning and teaching, you know, that shapes, that really shapes someone. Um, And it all builds on itself. And I think knowing what learning experiences are good and healthy for you is so important. And the fact that you realize that right? Before finishing med school, you were like, oh, you know, I don't see what I'm hoping to be one day. And, you know, this isn't the right learning for me at this time. That's so powerful. And I completely agree with, with this idea that the the clinical experience component of your application is, is like you said, there for a reason. And One thing is, I think a lot of us, you know, and perhaps I I suspect you also, you know, you had your own experiences with it. Um, I think even with that, it's really hard sometimes to know what medicine will actually look like in practice. And something that I wish more of us did and that I think is useful to encourage people for or to do is ask what their daily life looks like. Ask how they make time for the things that are important to them. Mm -hmm. Ask how the things that are important to them have evolved. Right. Um, And get to know what, you know, I think we focus so much on like what the medicine looks like that we forget what the life outside of medicine looks like for, for physicians and for, you know, individuals practicing in healthcare. So um, yes, you've been, you, you've been sharing, you've Mm -hmm. been sharing a lot, but I think all of it is helpful. And I think we, love. I can't speak for everybody that's listening, but I I really enjoy hearing your story and and hearing how you've evolved as
0: a person and what's important to you has evolved. Yeah. And I'll I'll be honest. A lot of this stuff that I'm saying is stuff that like took me a while to realize. Like I, like when I was in med school and like really frustrated, like it wasn't really as clear to me why I was frustrated until later. And like, I start to look back and like, oh, of course. Of course, that was why I was like grumpy and having a hard time is (laughs) because I just wanted to teach these patients and I just want to like go Mm -hmm. in and and do stuff instead of running from patient to patient and then just handing them a pamphlet. Um, And that like, I I do also want to kind of touch in just because like we've been talking about that kind of clinical experience. It's also important to get clinical experience with lots of different people, because like if you meet with a family care physician and you're like, this is not the life I want, that means I can't be a physician Like, there are so many different types of careers and lives that you can have as a physician. Um, I have some, like, kind of like touching on a story. I made a lot of very good friends in med school, like, to the point where, like, now, like, a decade later, I am still, like having weekly calls and like chatting and like doing stuff like with these people. Um, and their lives are all like drastically different. Um, my friend Joe, who I talk about a lot last night, he was saying like, I think today I talked to my last patient for the rest of my life. Um, because he's a pathologist and he doesn't really like the patient interaction stuff as as much um and he just he like he loves the science and he loves like identifying cell types and like doing research and he's he was an md phd as well and um i know a lot of physicians are like oh my god that sounds like the worst because at least for me that's where i got my energy was talking to patients and like Never talking to a patient like that sounds like the worst, but I also have a friend who is a surgeon and she does a lot of international surgery. And so she like flies to Haiti and Nepal and like stays there for three months, just doing surgeries on people who need surgeries like pro bono Um, and And like, she is like in the trenches about as far away from like, you know, I'm just sequestered in a lab with a microscope. Um, And so these are like some very drastic things. I have a friend who's a family care uh, uh, physician and my family care provider who is like developing relationships with families. And she loves it because she's like, I'm going to know these people for decades and I'm going to watch them grow and help them grow and be healthy and go through all this. And like, those are some very different like lives, um, for people to live and all of them are physicians. And so I don't want to paint a picture here that like, if you don't like this thing, you can't be a physician. Um, cause a part of me, I feel like is, is like everyone, everyone's going to listen to this podcast. be Like, well, that sounds awful. I don't want to do it. Um, but like, I think that that was just, cause I was like med school is a struggle. And then like, the physicians I was seeing, I wasn't seeing the full picture. I wasn't seeing that. And that kind of like led to this frustration. Um, this, like this first year of med school, like that's when some things kind of changed a little bit. Um, and so my, so first off, I'm the oldest of like all of my kids or all of my, my siblings. Oh my God. Uh, I, that my siblings would be very mad and at me for that. But like, I'm like nine years older than my sister. And so growing up, you know, single mom, my mom was working 12 hour shifts. A lot of stuff that I was doing was trying to like help take care, like make sure, you know, Zach gets to like soccer practice and April gets to choir practice and things like that. Um, and as the oldest one, I went to, to college really close to home and all of my siblings did And then I went to med school and I was in a totally different state. And so I kind of felt like for the first time, I was kind of abandoning my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is something that also, as you like the students, the people who are listening, when you're thinking about going to med school, like I went to med school in a completely different place and I lost a lot of social support. And that also made like a lot more difficult because I went to a state, I didn't know anybody And this entire state, like, I didn't know anyone within 500 miles of me, um, or maybe 300 miles. Um, and so like, that's harder to go through like med school without some support. Now I'm not saying that you have to have support to be successful, but it made it a whole lot harder. Um, and I remember like hearing stories about like other people in med school, like, oh, I'm having dinner with my family tonight. I'm like, oh, like that. Like, I wish I could have dinner with my family. Um, and and like that was just like such uh, a difficult thing. Now I did make some really close friends, and so eventually, like down the line, I developed that social network that really helped me like get through med school. And like that, that social network is so strong that now a decade later, we're still like hanging out, and like we're still a social network for each other, even though we're spread everywhere from like California to Philly to LA to Minnesota. Um, but Um, I think that also made things difficult. And so as I was in this other state going through all of this stuff, uh, my mom got sick and it was like a pretty severe thing where she was uh, hospitalized and like couldn't work for like six or seven months. Um, And uh, like that severe illness, like a part of me, like I felt like I was going through all of this stuff completely far away and I had like my family needed me is what I felt like. Now, I I think a part of that was just because of the role I played earlier in life where I was kind of like helping to take care of stuff and then I leave and then all of a sudden, like my family are all old enough now that they can all take care of themselves. And that's actually a battle I have with my siblings. Sometimes I'm like, you're making bad choices and I'm trying to control you. And I'm like, I, like, it's it's one of those things I've had to learn is that you can love somebody, but like you can't control them. And so like they make their own decisions and especially when they get to a certain age, you have to let them. Anyway, side tangent. Um, so my mom was going through this and was very sick and I was having issues uh, like- like dealing with that, um, because like med school, you can't just leave med school for a month and come back and like just plug right back into where you were. Like things are paced very quickly, things are moving fast. And so I took a leave of absence. So I took a a year off um, from medical school. Um, got to see my family a lot more. Got to kind of like help be there and help kind of like deal with all of that. Um, I continued to teach because I loved it, right? Like that was the thing that made my life better, that enriched my life. Um, and I didn't want to stop doing that thing that helped me maintain my sanity. Um, and so I kept doing that. Um, but I put a pause on med school, um, and I took a leave of absence. And so I took a year off and in that time, like, you know, I, I realized like, oh, I have like my family maybe doesn't need me as much as. As much as they I, I think they do, um, or I thought they did. And I um like, I'm like, oh, I can do some more stuff with teaching because I like doing it. And they're like, more students are coming in and they need someone to help take care of them. And so at that time I was working at Kaplan and I eventually ended up doing some stuff like helping to develop some curriculum. And I started to get in kind of like the 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 behind the scenes world of education. Um, because I created my own curriculum. I taught a class at Creighton University um, and I loved it like I I love like the teaching and um, there's a lot of stuff there that I think is like a core part of who I am Um, and so after that year that I'd taken off, my mom was a lot better, you know, back to, you know, back to full strength and going through everything. And so the crisis, our family had kind of like made it through. And so I'm like, all right, time to go back to med school. And so I went back to med school and I hated my life again. (laughs) Like I was so happy during that leave Mm -hmm. absence, like seeing my family and like working in this education stuff and like building things. And I went back to med school and it was back to like, once again, I'm starting to feel this frustration, like the stuff I'm doing is not what I want to be doing. And like, it's just was very difficult kind of overall. Um, But, and, and so like that kind of like built throughout the year until the end of the year when I was like, you know what, like they, like there are people who have reached out to me in the, like the med school teaching arena that want me to help teach and like do be a teacher full time and those are the things that I really like doing and these people were reaching out to me and I'm like no I can't do that thing that I want to do because I have to do this which I hate and like that <laughs> that like that eventually wore me down to the point where at the end of that second year I was like okay I am I'm out um I'm pulling out of med school officially and I am Like I'm going to go into education full time. Um, And that, that was a very difficult decision. And that's also like, obviously I have some very strong ties to my family. And like, it's also a very difficult thing to talk to family about, right? It's, it's so hard for someone who is not in this realm to understand, like you went through so much trouble and so much pain and suffering and you did so much work to get into med school and like you did it like you like that's that's a huge challenge so to now be like you're halfway through and you're like nah i don't want to do this and you leave like that's hard for people to um understand especially when i was like i want to be a tutor Right. Like, that's like, that's like, everyone's like, wait a minute. What? Like that's, have you thought this through? It's like a a conversation that I had pretty much with everyone in my family a couple of times. Um, But I had, and like, this is a, um, a thing that I, I very strongly believe in. And like, what's interesting is a lot of my med school friends, a lot of them understand it a whole lot better. And they're all, they're all like, yeah, totally. Like, we know you, we know what you're excited about. Like, just from like talking and chatting, like, yeah, this sounds like a good move for you as a person. And that helps. Like, once again, having a social network helps you make those or deal with hard times. Um, and so that was good. Um, I will be honest, like some of my med school friends like most of my med school friends are MD, PhD, because that's like the program that I was in. A lot of them are like, why don't you go back and finish your PhD? Right. Because I was actually like making really good progress on my PhD work. And like, I probably only needed like, and my PhD person was like, if you just want to finish your PhD, like two years, right. Three years, like we'll have that done and you can just be a PhD and then you can just do that. Um, But I think that I had kind of imploded to the point where like, I don't, I want to just go teach immediately. Like, I don't want to like progress through this, this pain and suffering stuff. I just want to teach. And so, um, a lot of my med school friends, like to this day are like, why don't you go back and, you know, finish your PhD and then you can teach at a university. And, um, like a part of me, like that totally makes sense, but I love the, the, like being an MCAT teacher because I get to teach physics and biology and like psychology, like fluid dynamics and like batteries. I can talk about the kidney one day and I can talk about how to great how to create a battery the next day. And like, I really like all of science and I like talking about all of it and especially helping to make the connections between like, how is a battery like the electron transport chain, like in the, like the mitochondria, like how, how, what are the similarities between these? And I love making those connections. And that's what the MCAT's all about, is like taking lots of different areas and starting to kind of weave them together and understanding like how fluid dynamics affects cardiology. And I love that. Um, So like if I went back and finished my PhD, then I would be, like I would been taught at a university. I'd probably just get a, like I I probably wouldn't have finished the PhD that I was in, which was biology. It was pharmacology and experimental neuroscience. And I, I love neuro but like my real passion is physics. And like, so if I did do this, I'd go back, get a PhD in physics and then teach physics because I love physics. Um, But then I would just, I would have to just teach physics and most like undergrad, like uh, undergrad professors, pretty much all of them in the sciences have to also do research. And I love learning about research. I love talking to people about their research, but I don't really like doing research. I just like teaching. And so that job also kind of doesn't exist. The job that I want where I get to teach all the sciences, but don't have to do any research. Like that doesn't exist in a college or in a university, um, but it does exist in MCAT prep. But also beyond this, I, I legitimately believe this, that I have the best students in the entire world. Like, like bar like, I I think that I am not stretching the truth on that. Um, Because all of my students are students who want to be doctors. And these are people who are very ambitious and inquisitive and curious. And um, even though I've been teaching like MCAT stuff for well over a decade at this point, um, there are Like, there are still times where students will ask questions like, wow, that's a great question that I haven't thought about things like that. Um, And like trying to make a connection between stuff. And like, that's, that's amazing. Right. And so I constantly have students that are like, if I was at a high school or a college professor, like there's those students that are just like in the back and just like falling asleep and like not paying attention. And there are times that has been me, um, to be honest, especially in high school, but in the MCAT prep industry, like none of you guys have to be here. Like none of you guys have to do this. Like you're not filling a gen ed requirement. You're here because you need to do well on this test. And so you are driven and pushing and you get to learn all the, these awesome different things. And I get to talk about all these different things and make these connections. And my students are all so curious and, and hardworking. And and so as a result, I'm going to keep teaching MCAT stuff until the day I'm dead um, is the way that I see it because like, I mean, to be honest, even if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would still come to work because the talking to the students is is what makes my life better. Like even like going back to the med school stuff, b- teaching in med school was like not a great decision, like, but I needed to do it because it was fulfilling and enriching to my life. And so I'm going to keep doing that forever. And I, I don't want to say that I'm just going to teach in a classroom sort of stuff because i'm also really curious and like the phd and the scientist and the nerd in me is also really curious about like better ways to teach and constantly innovating that and um there's a lot of things that we're working on here behind the scenes at jack weston that i can't i literally can't talk about on the podcast but as i you know and i'm like really passionate about these things like i have some passion projects of like things that like i want to have this released in six months. I want to have this released in a year and two years and three years. And I'm like, I'm so excited about this that I'm making plans for myself about what what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be helping students. On like like I'm planning months every month for like the next several years because like there's so many things that we can do to help students. And I just want to try to do all of them. And so there's so many things and there's not enough time. And so I'm it's I, I kind of found this perfect niche and I'm I'm really lucky because I I gotta be honest, like this all kind of goes back to that, like being a supplemental instructor in college, which I didn't realize at the time, but that was the most important thing I did in in college (laughs) was this, this job that I was like, well, I could keep being a transporter or I could be a supplemental instructor. And that pays like almost twice as much. So I should do that. Like that, that decision or that conversation in my mind shaped the rest of my life, um, going forward, which is a very strange thing. Um, that, that just kind of happened to occur. Um, but yeah, so, um, that's, I feel like that's a very long winded answer (laughs) to like, basically this whole podcast episode. Like the reason we had this conversation is because I get questions a lot of like, why did you leave med school? which is a valid question that everyone should be asking. Like if you ever meet somebody who did leave med school, because if you're planning on going into it, you kind of want to understand this. Um, And so hopefully that kind of sheds some light onto the scenario. Because I think a lot of people look at it and like they're worried they're going to leave med school, which is like, why would somebody leave? And like, just understanding that. I I hope that it helps people understand that like, to be honest, I was going into med school because I wanted to teach. And I found a way to teach and have the job that I really wanted without doing the med school thing and like doing the med school thing would have actually stopped me from doing what I wanted. And um, so I don't, I don't think my story is something that I think is going to happen to very many people out there in the world. Um, But I do think it's important to kind of understand who you are as a person uh, a little bit because, and once again, a lot of this comes from hindsight. Like I, I, I could not have verbalized this this journey this well, five years ago, um, just kind of like thinking about and like understanding a little bit more about who I am and what it is that I value and what it is that I care about. Um, that helps me kind of understand the decisions and the, the, the challenges that I came into. I think it'll help me make decisions and challenges and deal with stuff in the future as well, because it's a lot easier for me. And so like, if some decision is going to take me away from helping students and teaching, then I'm like, I don't want to do that. And even if it's like sounds great on paper, because I understand what I value more um, at this point in my life. So kind yeah. of long spiel there.
1: <laughs> Honestly, that's such like your story, such a powerful one, um, in part because like it allows us to to see and learn things that we won't have experience. Right. <clears throat> no one else is going to have your unique experience, um, but we learn so much through yours and through you sharing your story. So thank you on behalf of all of us. Um, thank you for for walking us through your journey. Um, and I know that for me, like it's always an inspiration getting to chat with you because I see someone who is strong and has learned to understand themselves and what they value. And that's something that is really easy to lose sight of sometimes. And being able to do that is so powerful. Uh, hopefully the folks that, you know, our are, are listeners are, I I hear that, you know, you saying, maybe they're afraid that that'll happen to them. And just to in part validate like your experience, but also if someone else ends up having that experience, there's nothing wrong with leaving med school if it's not the right fit for you. What could be wrong is if you're staying and you don't have a reason for staying, right? Um, If you know that it goes against everything that you need um, and there's no balance there, that's the problem right um and people they change career paths all the time i know people who have done things for years and then they decide they want to do med school whether it's nursing or like you know business and then they they switch gears um you know i've had classmates who are starting in their 30s who have entire families established so everyone's path is different and everyone's journey kind of takes different turns um but i i love hearing how yours landed you here and just that passion for teaching and I think that shows in you know yes the podcast but also in the live classes and I think anyone who knows you has no doubt that that this is something you are fantastic at and that it's also something that you love like we see that um and so yeah we're just we're really lucky to have you, you know, and our students are really lucky to have you teaching them uh, yeah, quite frankly.
0: I- I, I, it's a lot easier to talk about, especially as I, cause I know you well. And like, sometimes <laughs> it's easy to forget the podcast and like, we're just having a conversation because a lot yeah. of what I've said, I, I, I see in you as well, because you're, you're in that scenario where I was in, where I was in med school. And I'm like, I, like, I probably shouldn't be working and teaching and stuff, but I need it. <laughs> I need it. Right. Because it makes, it makes my life better. Um, and I know that that's, that's something that you're, you're going through. Like you're in that zone that I was in because, you know, you're in, you're in med school at Harvard. Like that's, (laughs) you're in, you are in the trenches as deep as you can get there. Um, (laughs) but still you make time to kind of like meet and do podcast episodes and like you teach students every week as well. And so like, those are also the sort of people that I like working with, um, just to, just to kind of like turn back the, uh. (laughs) the like you know the story here a little bit. Eventually when I left uh med school, I ended up working at a different company um than Kaplan because I wanted to be more on the developing side. And so I joined a company that was just starting that was called Next Step, um, which most people have probably heard of in the MCAT industry. Um at that time, I think we, like, they had, like, you no know, books, no classes. They were just a tutoring company. Um, and we, were, like, really built out a lot of stuff there. But, like, that's actually where I met you as I, is, like, through mm-hmm. that. And then, like, you know, things change and, like, landscapes change. I got to come here at Jack Weston where we always put the student first with, like, you know, we're spending tens of thousands of dollars every month just making free resources. Um and I'm like, we got to pull his eye. We need to get his <laughs> eye over here as well um, because I I want to keep working with her forever. Um, so um, I think that's just kind of like, just kind of shows how great it is to work with people that you, like you see similar things in, um, and like kind of similar ideas and stuff. So, yeah. Well,
1: thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Phil, for sharing. And we're excited to keep walking on this journey with you guys um over the the coming however long you're studying
0: yeah we will probably be returning to the regularly scheduled biology content stuff (laughs) but um we thought you know we've done so many podcast episodes that it probably makes sense for us to you know give a little bit of backstory because i i do get a lot of questions i'm like why'd you leave med school and so now now i'll have a podcast episode i can point people to if they anytime i see that question